And do you remember when we were all kids, we used to watch Sesame Street? And they used to say something like, this morning's service is brought to you by the words, saviour and remember. (laughs) So look out for those words we go through today, because today we are remembering our saviour. Let's start with the scripture, shall we? It's uh, 1 Corinthians 11.23, and it's um, Paul recounting the Last Supper before Jesus actually went to the cross, and he says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right, so today is Good Friday. It's the Easter weekend. What is that all about? So often Easter is synonymous in our society at least with camping and long weekend, chocolate and hot cross buns. Who had the hot cross bun this morning? Anybody? I don't know. What, three people had a cross bun this morning. What's with that? I suppose you got stuck into it straight after Christmas and you're over it now. Is that the problem? But we're here today and pretty obviously we're acknowledging it as a Christian festival. Now, when you do a little wee bit of research with Mr. Google, you'll find that Easter as a Christian festival has a long and colourful history in terms of the traditions and the symbols and what dates they would choose, etc. We know that it is celebrated on the same weekend as the Passover, the Jewish Passover, um, and that is something that has come down through history. But we're not going to look at the historical aspect of it in, in the terms of the last couple of thousand years. We're going to look at the heart of it, something that I guess most of us here in this room would acknowledge um, that this is a symbol, it is a time when we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now this morning, a lot of you will probably say, yeah, 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 I know that, we do that, we've heard that, I've heard it every Sunday for the last, you know, however long. Yes, you might have, but I want you to focus on it this morning. And I'm also wanting to speak to folks who perhaps haven't heard it and haven't heard it every Sunday for the last however long. We're going to talk about Easter and its central message The central message of Easter, of course, is that Christ is our Redeemer or our Saviour. And that that is the key element of the Gospel. Now, what does the word Gospel mean? The word Gospel simply means good news. It's the good news. So, what is the good news? Well, it's encapsulated in another scripture. Now, every major sporting event like the Olympic Games or World Cup or anything that you ever go to, you will see a placard, somebody in the crowd with a placard holding up um, this scripture. It says, John 3.16. And a lot of us might know what it says, but let's have a little look at it again today. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, as some might think, but he came to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That little verse encapsulates the essence 
of the power of the gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And in fact, that scripture is a recount of what Jesus himself said. These are Jesus' words. And so um, it comes down to the point, Jesus is the saviour. Let's have a look at another scripture while we're at it, because scripture is always fun and it's always good. Second Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, the good news. Okay, so let's ask the question, saved from what? Well, we're going to answer that and have a look at that in a little um, minute. But I just want to go back to that first scripture where I underlined twice in the first scripture. And I said to you right at the beginning, remember, remember, <laughs> remember, remember. Um, today's service is brought to you today by the word remember. Um, it's Good Friday. We're having a day off. It's a special memorial service. And this morning I'd look, like to look at three things that perhaps we can remember today. First of all, we will remember the foundation. Second, we will remember the work. And third, we will remember the future. And I have three pictures up there, you will see. Now I'm going to do, like every good storyteller will do, I'm going to start in the middle. I'm going to start with the middle picture, not at the beginning. I'm going to start in the middle. The middle picture you'll see is the cross of Christ. It's to represent Easter. It's to represent the work of Christ, the death, the resurrection of Christ. Now, historical evidence. Um, secular historians, they have a way to measure what they will decide is um, fact, what is myth and what is legend. But the historical evidence that there is for Jesus Christ, not just through the scriptures, which are a fairly good historical document in themselves, but through secular historians as well, say that there definitely was a man, Jesus of Nazareth, and that he did live at that time when the Bible says, and that he was crucified on a Roman cross. There is very little doubt that Jesus existed, There's, um, according to historians. So we can rest fairly easy on that. However, some secular philosophers might say, yes, he did exist, but he was just a good man or a great teacher. Well, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, well, you can't, that doesn't really work. It won't work. It will never work. How, if you knew a man in history that said, I am God and I've come to save the world, like any other man would say, you wouldn't say he was a good teacher. You'd say he was uh, a megalomaniac or a liar or a complete nutter, right? You wouldn't say he was a good teacher or a good man. So the only option that we have with what Jesus said he was, and he did exist, and with, we know what he said because the scriptures record it very accurately, what he said. The only option we have is to um, accept either he was a liar and a very dangerous cult leader, or he was who he said he was. And at this point, on this day, there's a lot of us who have opened our hearts and accepted that, of course, Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He is the saviour of the world and that we have connected with him and experienced him through the Holy Spirit. And so, for the sake of this morning's um, 
exercise anyway, we're going to choose option number one. Jesus is who he said he was. <laughs> so then we're going to go back to the beginning. What, if he was the saviour, he said he was the saviour, what has he saved us from? Well, Charles has already said it this morning. He said he saved us from sin. Well, if we go back to the very beginning, that is where sin came from. Genesis is the account of how God created the heaven and the earth and living things and mankind. And he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden where they were in great communion communion with God and perfect oneness with him. They had everything provided for them. It was a great place to be. And they only had one choice to make, only one. There is a tree over there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it, don't eat from it. Everything else, it's all good and we're in a great place. Adam and Eve had only had one job and they stuffed it, actually. They decided to disobey, so they touched the tree and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and sin entered their life through that act of disobedience. Sin that brought death and consequently mankind that came through their line had the spirit of death and separation from God on them forevermore. Now, some folks today and common argument is that you have no right to judge me, which is actually true. I don't have a right to judge you. But the underlying message of that is that I'm a good person. How dare you say that I'm a sinner or that I have sinned just because I don't come to your church? That is a common argument and I hear it. But if you are a visitor here today, and perhaps you may have thought that, I need to reassure you and all the folks here, I just need to remind you <laughs> that we are all sinners in need of God's saving grace. Whether as sin is obvious and destructive or whether it's hidden and corrosive, we are all sinners. Whether we sit here smugly on our little church chairs every Sunday, whether we indulge little things like selfishness or pride or greed or gossip or apathy, we are all people here today in need of our Saviour, yeah? Is anybody here not in need of a Saviour? thought I would check. I am not saved by doing good. I'm not saved because I'm a good person. Oh, I am a good person, mostly. But that's not what saves me, because sometimes I'm not. My husband will tell you. <laughs> it's not what saves me. The grace of God saves me. And the grace of God is far bigger than I can even imagine, because sometimes we get a little bit judgmental we do get a little bit judgmental about you know that person will probably go to heaven and that one probably won't you'll probably you know that's it you're done but you know what I believe the grace of God is far higher and wider and greater than you or I could imagine and certainly more loving and merciful than sometimes we as Christians can be when we decide who's going to get to heaven and not it's not our job to be judgmental it's God's job but the point I'm making this morning about remembering the foundation is the part in the middle, the cross of Christ, that there was a saviour, supports the beginning because you don't need a saviour if there's nothing to be saved from. The beginning, Genesis, the fall, is the reason the saviour came. I know there's contention about um, science 
and creation. I know there's loads of contention. I've read loads on the subject. And I'm quite convinced and quite happy that science does, in fact, always reveal God and support the truth of Genesis and the account that God is our creator. So when we remember, we don't just remember the work of the cross, we remember the fact that he was our creator right in the first place. The one supports the other. Let's fast forward to the end, to Revelation, shall we? To the second coming of Christ and the coming judgment. Which, by the way, is not something I think we need to be afraid of because Christ has covered our sin. And if and when we come before the judgment seat of Christ, we come with our sin, we come with Christ at our side for a start with as our advocate, but we also come, our sin is placed before the Father, but he cannot see it because the blood of Christ has covered it. The blood of Christ covers the sin in our life for those who believe and accept the work of Christ. So some people say, well, you know, they doubt that there is a second coming. Make a joke of it. Is there going to be a second coming? What about this judgment thing? I, once again, I say the part in the middle supports the end. Why would you need a saviour if there was no coming judgment? If you weren't going to face up for sin, you wouldn't need a saviour. The saviour part in the middle supports the beginning and the end. It's from the foundation to the finish, the saviour in the middle from the foundation to the finish. And while we're at it, there's another common argument that goes around that says, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? And that's a fair question. I just want to tell you a little story. came to me this morning while I was thinking. Let's just imagine, it's an analogy, okay. Let's imagine that mankind uh, and the world is the, the Titanic luxury ship. It's a luxury ocean liner. Adam and Eve have steered the ocean liner into an iceberg field. Good on you. Thanks very much. God can see what's going to happen. There's icebergs below. The ship is hit. It's going to sink. God sends out a rescue boat or rescue boat that will um, take everybody. It will take everybody can be saved. He even sends rescue workers on the rescue boat. They go to the Titanic and try to get people off and some people come into the rescue boat. They can see what's going to happen. Great. Other people will say, I paid for a luxury liner. I did not pay for a confined little um, rescue boat. I paid for a luxury liner. Your boat doesn't have any food or any entertainment. I'm staying right where I am. But your boat will sink. Your ship will sink. When it sinks, I'll swim. Don't you worry about that. I'll save myself. And when the boat sinks and they end up at the bottom of the ocean, people say, why did God let them sink to the bottom of the ocean? You know what? Let's go back to John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He didn't come into this world to condemn the world. He came into this world to save the world. That is the essence of Good Friday. That is the essence of why we are here today. And let me just give you a quick note on hell, because why not? It's Good Friday. <laughs> hell was not created for mankind. Hell was created for the devil and evil. And that's where it will be consigned at the judgment day. Hell 
Whether there are flames or not, I believe is immaterial. It's not about that. Hell is a place where God is not. And if you want to consider, before you make a joke about, oh, you know, I'm going to go to hell with all my mates and we're going to have a rousing good party, or I'd I'd prefer to be there than with all those hypocritical Christians, just consider who God is before you decide that you want to be in a place where He isn't. God is light. God is love. God is hope. God is healing. God is peace. God is joy. He is comfort. If you're going to be in a place where God is not, you're going to be in a place where there are none of those things. There will be no light. It will be dark. There will be no love. There will be no hope. Can you imagine being in a place of no hope? There will be no peace, only agitation and anxiety. There will be no forgiveness, no chance to ever make anything right again. There will be no comfort. There will be no joy, just a perpetual sadness. There will certainly, that is the place where God is not. Somebody might say, well, I'm there already. And I'll say to you, don't make it permanent. Don't make it permanent. Jesus has come He is the rescue boat. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. The boat is there. The word today is, your ship is sinking. Get onto the Saviour's boat. Don't go to the bottom of the ocean. Don't go to the place where God is not. Open your heart to God today and allow the Saviour to come in. It won't make you perfect because there's not one of us here that is perfect but it will make you saved. And then we can rejoice. We can rejoice. Yes, we'll go through some ups and downs, but we can rejoice in the fact that we have a Saviour, Christ the Lord, and He's come here today. Somebody might say, well, I don't get sucked into, you know, these religious things. I'm just not one of those. I'm too intelligent for that. I'm a thinker. And I like to think things through. If you struggle to believe because you're a thinker, don't panic. I've got three books up there recommended for you. That um, two, of the, uh, two of the books were written by atheists. Well, they started out atheists. They started out to disprove God. By the time they were finished, they were Christians. C.S. Lewis and Lee Strobel both. They were philosophers, researchers, and they went at it. They went at it hard and said, um, I'm going to disprove God. And they ended up thinking it right through until they came to the point, it has to be. It has to be. As I said before, science is not at war with God. Science always reveals God. God allowed us science so that we could understand Him more. So on this Good Friday, I just want to encourage you. Remember the foundation. God is your creator. Remember the work in the middle, the saviour, the salvation, and remember the future. Why do we as Christians need to remember the future? Because we have the gospel, the good news in our heart. Let's not be selfish and keep it there. When we have an opportunity, whether we preach the gospel, they, the saying is, preach the gospel at all, the to- at all times and if necessary, use words. That simply means the gospel is not always words. Sometimes it's action. And don't forget, we are sharing the love of Christ always and who He is, that He is a Saviour. Sometimes it is just by being that person 
by being a loving person. So I'm just going to ask Pastor Nick to come up now and close. you give Meredith a hand for those great presentations this morning. Do you know Easter is not just an emotion that we try to create, it's a truth. How many of you know that? It's a truth about the love of God and about His purpose and His plan. And in a simple way that Meredith explained this morning, I, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I live with her. Can you see her thought patterns and her just ability to really present the truth. And in simple form, God, our Father, who loved us, who created us with a purpose in His image, because of sin, that relationship was broken. And He reached out to us through Jesus Christ, through His hand. We were stuck in the mud, stuck in mire of sin in our own world. Reached out his hand and said, Take my hand and I will lift you and save you to the position you were created to be. Isn't that great? The thing that stops us from receiving a loving father, a father who loves us, who has a purpose, who has a plan for us, is our heart. It's not our head. Giving your heart love as much as it has to be understood is a condition we accept through love. And Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15 says this, today, today, don't wait till tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow's like. We have no assurance that walking out that door that there's a tomorrow. And I don't say that to bring fear, but it's a reality. I don't know how many stories I've heard of the reality that God gives us moments, opportunities. And he says, today, if you hear my voice, don't close your heart. Don't harden it. But open your heart to my grace, to my love and my forgiveness and take my hand and let me lift you to the place that you were created to be. Isn't that good news? That's not just good news, that's great news. That saving grace news. And I just want us just for a moment to just close our eyes because maybe you're on a journey and maybe you've not heard the gospel presented in, in this manner. And maybe there's been conflict in your life, but today can be a significant day Today can be a day that can not just change your life, but transform your life. Today, if in your heart you feel that tug and you know that what's been shared is the truth, I want to pray for you right now. It doesn't matter where you're at, what journey you're on. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart, if we in our heart believe that God is our creator, that he sent Jesus to pay for our sin, that through his death and sacrifice and his resurrection, that we can receive forgiveness and wholeness, that he lifts us 
to the position that we were created to be. Today, if you make that decision in your heart, say, Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Saviour. You will be saved. And if you'd like to do that today, I want to just make sure that today, I don't know your situation. I don't know anybody that maybe today has not made that decision. I want to give you that opportunity. And if you would like me to pray, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I want to accept Christ into my life. Would you do that right now? Just lift your hand wherever you are. Thank you. That's fantastic. Is there somebody else? Thank you. Just over there. There's just a, I'm just going to wait. I believe there's another person. There's two people that today have really felt in their heart that God has touched their heart. Is there anybody else? fantastic. Why don't you stand to your feet? Why don't we all just stand to our feet? I, I, I've recognized who those two people are and I can see that they're visitors. I want us to, all of us to put our hands in front of us. You know, sometimes you need to, you know, confirm the love that you have for God and what God has done for you. Even as you do, you know, we say, I love you to my husband or to your wife. You confirm that covenant that you made. And today, all of us we're going to pray this prayer together. Can we do that as we pray with these two people today that have lifted their hands and says, Pastor, today I acknowledge that I need Jesus Christ, that He came and died for me and redeemed me from a sin. Dear God, let's pray together. Dear God, thank You that You are my Creator. Today, I acknowledge that You sent Jesus your son to die on a cross for me so that I could be forgiven of my sins so that I could have a hope and a future. Today, I give you my life. Today, I recognise that Jesus Christ is not just my Saviour, but my Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a big hand of praise and just thank Him. And Do you know, I, I, I would love those two people to come and see me. And if it's okay, I might just come and have a chat to you after, which would be great. Why don't we just do this just for a moment? Why don't you just lift your hands towards heaven? You know, Easter Sunday is about remembering and being thankful. Boy, oh boy. We don't thank God enough. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 4 says this, that He was buried. But on the third day, He rose from the grave. He defeated sin and death, and He reigns victorious. Today, come on with your hands, just lift it up. Just take this moment just to reflect about His sacrifice. Could you do that? Why don't you just thank Him just for a moment? Just say, God, today I come, and I just want to thank You. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you've done. I want to thank you because today I can stand in a place of hope, in a place of resurrection, in a place that has a hope and has a future. And Father, today we bless you. Today we give you praise. Today we honour you. We thank you, Lord, that you have not just saved us from sin, but Lord, you've healed us, you've delivered us. And Father, you have set us 
free. We bless you. Come on, just lift your voice just for a moment. Just say, God, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' precious name. Come on, let's sing this song together as we close today and let's just rejoice in the goodness of our God. Come on, put your hands together as we sing this great song today. Come on, just give him a huge applause today. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. Today, Lord, as we go and have family time, as we get with friends, as we celebrate, as we eat, let us be conscious, not just of your goodness, but your grace and your mercy. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. Hey, thank you this morning for coming. We've got some hot cross buns. I just want to reiterate what Charles said on Sunday morning. There's going to be a great story uh, of God's hope and resurrection power. It's going to be a fantastic morning. God bless you. Have a great, great day.